With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Potholes. Politicians. Prestidigitators and magicians. First you see the money. Then you don't. There's nothing to fill the holes while they're filling their pockets. Potholes. Politicians bouncing down the road, everybody's wishing for no more corruption and dysfunction. It's gonna take divine intervention. And God bless all out there. You are now listening to the Founders Show, the voice of the Founding Fathers, your Founding Fathers, coming to you deep into the bowels of those mystic and cryptic alligator swamps of the Big Easy, that old Crescent City. New Orleans, Louisiana, and high up on top of that old Liberty Cypress tree, way out on the Eagles Branch. This is none other than your spin Gary Baba of the Republic, Chaplain High McEnery, with Christopher Tidmore, your roving reporter and resident radical moderate and associate editor of the Louisiana Weekly and LouisianaWeekly.net. And uh, we're joined by a very special guest today. We've got a lot to talk about in the course of the program, but in lieu of the Thanksgiving weekend, I thought we'd give thanks for something that may not be happening. Is climate change occurring the way we, we said? Um, Greta Thunberg has appeared before the UN talking about the eminence, and this is not an academic discussion for those of us that live in Louisiana, where a four to five foot increase in seas would quite literally bury most of the boot of Louisiana, make uh, Lake Charles and Lafayette beachfront property in order to live in Thibodeau, Homa, or anything south, including Belchase, you'd have to grow gills. And ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, New Orleans, if it survived at all, would simply be, again, as in history, the Isle d'Orléans. We would be an island at best, an island that would constitute what we think of as the sliver by the river. But what if, even though man's impact um, of industry may be affecting the environment, what if other factors are causing uh, uh, warming, and what if there are equal environmental factors, sunspots, that are actually counteracting the effects of global warming. What if, ladies and gentlemen, and you know, it, we're saying climate skeptics are deniers, but what if there's actual scientific data that says, you know, something's happening, but maybe it's not as bad as we think? And that's what our special guest, uh, a- Andrew Stout, is joining us here in studio. And, um, and hi, he's joining us via phone link today. Um, and Andy, I-, I wanted to start off, if we could, and talk about, uh, if you would, for just a moment, what is actually going on um, in it? You're not a climatologist. You started at this from a different scientific viewpoint. You're actually by profession an architect, but you're launching a new website that is the counter of years of research you've done to find out what's actually going on in climate. So let me start off with it. Is temperature rising so much that the Arctic, um, the, the, the Arctic ice caps are melting and we're all going to have to grow gills if we live outside of the French Quarter uptown New Orleans? Uh, No, none of us are going to have to grow gills. Uh, uh, Certainly not within our lifetimes, uh, maybe within uh, 100 generations from now. Uh, 
A hundred generations. Oh, I don't. I'm just throwing out a number. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, in other so, words, not not in the next fifty or hundred years. Well, let, let's. Uh, uh, Greta specifically is concerned about sea level rise, or at least that's one of the uh, the items she seems to bring up a lot. Uh, it's kind of uh, it's interesting that Greta from Sweden brings it up because sea levels are actually falling in Sweden and falling in Finland, uh, falling in Norway, falling in Alaska, falling across the western coast of South America. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's not a simple question. It's not a simple answer. Uh, depending on where you are in the world, sea levels are rising or falling. Uh, there are many factors that contribute to sea level change, and uh, it's, not, um, it's, not, it's not a one-word answer. All right, so let's, let's get into the, the whole question that uh, Andy Stout, that people are talking about. We're going to give you out some information about your new website that's launching sure. on this in just a couple of minutes. But um, let's talk about this. Here in Louisiana, look, I'm concerned about CO2. I'm concerned about environmental factors. I just wrote an editorial talking about what they're doing at Dollywood in Sevier County to, to try to recycle uh, materials so we have compost. And we've lost you know, in here in Louisiana because of coastal erosion, which is a yeah. separate issue, obviously. It's, We've lost 1,900 your, miles, square your miles. Concern, your concern is not irrational. Yeah. Uh, New Orleans has one of the uh, fastest rising sea levels in the world. It's yeah. something, uh, going from uh, top of my memory, I think it's something like uh, nine... Uh, uh, <laughs> it's a magnitude difference. I don't want to get it wrong. But it's either nine centimeters or uh, nine millimeters well, a I mean, year or something like that. A, a way they, they say at the rate of losing coastline, basically, we've lost the state of Delaware in the last 70 years, 1,900 square miles, and we would lose the state of Rhode Island in theory in the next 70 yeah, years. But here, here's an interesting thing, though, because uh, our, uh, our neighbors to the east in Pensacola uh, have a sea level uh, rise that's about half as much or less than <laughs> half as much. So is this, is this a uh, existential global condition that's threatening us, or is this a localized condition that's affecting us specifically? And, well, and this is what I'm getting at. How much of this, of course, Andy, is effectively we have coastal erosion because right. we have seawater incursion that we're losing coastline because the Mississippi River is not essentially flooding silt all across south Louisiana, south of the Lake Pontchartrain Basin, which is really the continental basin. So we've got all that going on here. We've got real environmental concerns. We're not d displacing them. Quite the contrary. But my question about this is this, that the reason why all of our problems that we have, that, you know, the forest fires, the global warming, my question is, I'm somebody who doesn't want to be a global skeptic. I don't want to be an alarmist either, though. I want to actually look at good science. And the scientist, I keep telling, keep saying, we're on a course for two to three degrees increase in temperature that will make large portions of the uh, of the earth desert and unlivable by human beings and make coastal cities be submerged and what i'm curious about is um why are if not wrong what other factors are mitigating that and that's kind of what you're talking about well i mean uh the, the way that you the way that you framed the situation is a totally reasonable way to frame the situation and in uh, common parlance, it's the way that it's framed all the time. But it's actually something I take issue with. It's actually, it's, it's mistaken, I think. Uh, for instance, like, uh, by, by starting by saying, okay, well, we're going to experience up to three degrees uh, Celsius uh, increase in temperature. Well, sure, we might experience up to three degrees Celsius increase, but over what period of time? And uh, it could be, uh, could be a couple hundred years 
or or it could be within one or two hundred years. It's probably almost certainly not going to be within the next one hundred years, though. And what role does sunspots play in all this? Because it's something you don't hear about people talking about, but we're actually going into a period of a lack of sunspot activity, and that yeah. actually has an effect on the temperature of the planet. Well, it does, and like, but our, how, to what extent are we even going to be measure? Uh, be able to accurately measure how much sunspots affect us if we don't know exactly how much temperature change is actually happening here on Earth. And uh, and a good evidence to uh, dispute the common consensus is that satellite measurements uh, show less than half the warming that the adjusted land surface temperature measurements show. All right, let's let's get into this, and um, and I want to bring High into this conversation yeah, in just a second. But yeah, but, but what, let's let's clarify this before we get you in high, just so we understand this. Satellite temperatures are saying one set of data. Land-based temperatures are saying another set of data. Well, which is which is and and, and yeah. we're we're basing a lot of our alarmists that the planet's getting hotter based on land-based temperatures, aren't we? Or, that's correct. Yeah. And so, what what is the satellites telling us the land isn't? Well, uh, the the satellite data. Uh, which is really the only truly global measurements that we have because they, they orbit the Earth, they measure a column of uh, atmosphere down to the ground. Um, they're, they're really the only global measurements we have. They're saying that the globe is warming slightly, uh, but uh, less than half as much as the adjusted land surface temperature uh, measurements are showing us. The reason why I'm quali qualifying the land surface temperatures as adjusted is because uh, the various agencies, uh, weather and, and climate agencies of the world that are government-run, are actively adjusting the temperatures in order to uh, arguably artificially inflate them today and deflate them in the past in order to uh, fabricate a J-curve. Okay, this is this. Now we're getting into something like high could come in like deep state state stuff. But let well, me, no, no, no. Yeah. It's it's not deep state. NASA <laughs> acknowledges that they make these adjustments. NASA and NOAA—that's the North, or that's the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration—they admit. I mean, they they acknowledge that they make these adjustments. Uh, they justify the adjustments, and that justification and quantity of adjustments are subject to uh, debate and conjecture. Like, different people have different opinions over how much adjustment is appropriate, and some, uh, many scientists, I should say, really, uh, dispute the justification at all and okay. say it's not justified. So let, me, let, me, let, me, let me classify this and, and throw it to high. Just so I understand this, Andrew Stout, yeah. we are talking about ch fundamentally changing our economic model as a, as a species when it gets down to it, from fossil fuels and all this, because we believe that temperature is going to rise between two and three degrees centigrade in the next hundred years, which would cause major global warming and therefore ice, based on data that isn't from satellites that are consistent, but from land-based stations where the people taking that data are actually saying it's hotter than their own control group, if you will, the satellites yeah. are saying. Wait, that, 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 how even, is it that we're not hearing it's about even, this? It's actually worse than that. Because the satellite data is backed up by uh, the measurements of radio sound uh, balloons, so we have other data sets that also co uh, collaborate. So you mean like a balloon that goes up into the yeah, atmosphere and, and takes temperature? And okay, we've been so. doing we've been doing that for uh, much longer. We've been doing satellite data. Our, our satellite data really starts in earnest, uh, say after the seventies, like around the seventies and, and thereafter. But um, but the radio sound projects have been happening since much before that. I I'm not sure what the date it actually started in. But if I said like say the 
the 30s or something, then uh, 20s maybe. I, I don't know. But we've been doing radio sound Almost 100 years, or at well, least 80 years. Yeah. Uh, well, let's say at least 25 years longer than the satellites. So right. I feel comfortable with that. All right, so Andrew Stout, hi, come into this conversation real quick. But when it comes into this, so what we're saying is, if temperatures are going up by a half a degree, we have a problem. But it's not a, an immediate, like, two or three generations problem. We're not going to see all the ice caps melting in our lifetimes. Um, it's it's a problem, but it's not the same degree. It, I don't, it's a historical uh, average. Yeah. So why... And I just get right down to it, and uh, and if this is what the other data is saying, why don't we he- hear more about it? Christopher. Go ahead, hi. Yeah. I think this is, I want to talk about the big picture here. Everybody listen to this. There has been climate change throughout the history of the world. Geology proves it to us. The, the temperatures of, the, of this earth have always gone up, and then they've come down. We've heard about the ice ages, and I assure you, Modern man had nothing to do with creating the Ice Ages. We had the Little Ice Age retreating during the American Revolution. We had, modern man had nothing to do with that. Mother Nature is a whole lot harder on herself than we have ever been or probably ever could be. One volcanic eruption produces a larger carbon footprint and more pollution than all the cars and factories do in a year's time. Forest fires produce more pollution, a greater carbon footprint than all the cars and factories do in a year's time. There was a great... Okay, is it, there, I'm wait, sure there's wait, a question. Wait, I'm sure there's a question back. for Andy in all of this. Oh, uh, no, no, let me finish. Now, yeah. Give me a little time here. All right. Uh, there was a great volcano. By the way, the volcano's going off all over the place. I said one volcano. There's uh, probably a hundred of them going off every year. Uh, there was a great volcano that went off, I think, in 07 up in Iceland, and the planes couldn't fly for weeks. It was a humongous volcanic eruption. It produced a larger carbon footprint and more pollution than the entire human race has produced over the past 300 years. We are not the major cause here. And by the way, while we're trying to clean up... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. America, that's real nice. Everything. But nevertheless, you got nations all around the world, India, China, etc., third world countries and whatnot, Russia. They dump everything directly into the environment. China has something like over 2,000 coal mines we've got eight and yet we're supposedly the big bad problem in the world no we're not the problem is mother nature is tough on herself when you get to talking about sunspots i have something i want to add all right but let's let's ask a question of andy because he came in to talk to us well i i I love this i i love this i haven't heard a single thing i actually disagree with but but every two seconds let me let me just let me let me finish please 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 all right the um Because of all this, so, yeah, okay, now, I'm, this is my question, uh, but I think it comes with an answer. Why is this happening? And you mentioned the deep state earlier. I personally believe the deep state is owned by Big Brother Corporation, and they, all they have in it is what is their ne- next great profit. That's the only thing they're looking at. Now, they need control. There is no greater control than the medium of the environment because it's everything and everywhere. It's the air you breathe. It's the ground you walk on. And through that, they can say, well, you cannot walk on this ground because you'll pollute it. You cannot 
uh, do this, that, or wherever. And, and before you know it, they control every movement you make. They do it through the environment. And I think that's 99% of what's going on here. I do not believe that. Well, let's uh, let, let's say Andy answer is an is a real big problem. Yeah. All right, it's happened for thousands let, of years. Hi, let's let let's happen. let Andy answer. Let's let Andy answer because uh, do you ascribe is it conspiracy or do you ascribe that never ascribe to conspiracy what incompetence will explain? I mean, what's what's no, going no, on? I, I, that's yeah. a wonderful. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a wonderful a criminal conspiracy. It's not just conspiracy. It's a criminal. Well, well, hi. Yeah. I, I appreciate your enthusiasm. I uh, uh, I share it in large measure. Uh, the things that you're talking about, uh, specifically, I don't know if I disagree with uh, with any of them. Uh, with regards to the whole, like, uh, with regards to the environment, with regards to the the political component, let me explain it as best as I understand. Uh, in 1990, when the IPCC put together the first uh, climate report, I think that by and large, it was uh, put together and presented uh, genuinely. Uh, as concerned scientists that were interested in aerosols and uh, and the the ozone layer, and we know here about the ozone layer anymore. It's uh, the problem was fixed, right? Uh, we I just, guess it's yeah. It was it was the old terror of yesterday, and there was there was right. going to be a huge hole in the ozone layer. It was going to kill us all. We're right. all going to get right. and actually fixed. We're itself. all going to be burned well, up by the sun it, in a few years' time. Well, it pretty much fixed itself. It, I mean, the ozone ozone opens and it closes, and uh, I'm not sure if we fully understand why. Uh, but it just so happened that after the first assessment report was published in 1990, uh, it was amazing. Uh, I think to everyone's shock, uh, the world governments acted, and within very short order, uh, CFCs were banned. And it, it, it's chlorofluorocarbons. A, yeah, it, it was what was behind aerosols. C, CFCs, and they were banned. And I think that the uh, there were elements of the scientific community that are absolutely gobsmacked that. They made a report, and then policy happened. And so here was, uh, here was power and the wielding of power. And so I think what happened was there was kind of a, a, a sea change within the IPCC itself. The types of people who wanted to uh, attain power or use power needed to find a new boogeyman. And so uh, the, the scare of global warming sort of became the new boogeyman. And they sort of, uh, now they gambled everything on an enormous gambit in 2001. It was the third assessment report. And uh, 2001 was when the hockey stick, the, the Michael Mann graph. Uh, the, the thing that says it's, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. It's, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be yeah. catastrophic. When, when know, that, basically like a, a big curve. Yeah, the, the giant hockey, it was, it's uh, colloquially known as the hockey stick yeah. because it describes a narrative of a past without climate change, a kind of a, a placid, uh, you know, Eden. And then suddenly uh, it describes around 1900 a sudden rocket ship of temperature soaring up into, uh, into the stratosphere. And, uh, and, uh, and so it was painting a picture of alarm and devastation and, and immediacy and action. And so, uh, and so that was, that was, the, that was the, uh, the culmination of this change in IPCC from being kind of a genuine scientific body into being a political organ. And so now it wields authority and wields power, and uh, it makes publications for political consumption, not necessarily for scientific consumption at all. And, and that's the situation we're in. So the extent that, uh, ha uh, hi, that you're, uh, you're uh, experiencing uh, uh, paranoia over the government, it's not 
all that misplaced. Uh, basically, political organs are making non-scientific pronouncements that are being uh, consumed by political bodies that are passing policy uh, based on that sort of, I'd, at this point, I'd almost call it pseudoscience. Yeah. Well, you know what I call them? I call them the people doing this stuff. And I have since for 40 years now, I guess I've been saying this. I call them chick, chicken little loco eco freaks. And they are a big problem on planet Earth today. We're joined leading us off a cliff with a, a whole a pack of lies. We got We got to take. We got to take a break. Hi, real quick. Okay. But right. um, we, we can. We, we're joined by Andrew Stout. He's launching a new website called The Climate Report. We'll have more on that in the next segment, and it's coming out just around the first of the year. But, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to answer a couple of questions. One. What is really going to happen? How bad is the climate situation? And do we need to end all fossil fuel development? And two, um, what was the Miranda Minimum? The idea that the last time we didn't have a whole lot of sunspot activity, the planet got very cold. That was the little ice age that High was referring to. It was between 1600 and 1800, where the, you know, actually 1500 and 1800, the Thames froze over in Churchill's time. The, the, uh, Europe was colder. Everything was colder. And we came out of it. How does that play a role in this? We'll talk about that after this commercial break. Stay tuned. More of The Founders Show with High McHenry and Christopher Tidmore, our special guest, Andrew Stout, right after these important messages. Stay tuned. More to come. Today's edition of The Founders Show on WRNO and WSLA is brought to you by Villaries Florist at 1-800-V-I-L-L-E-R-E or VillariesFlorist.com. All of your holiday arrangements are there. Want those poncettas? Want those red flowers? Want those holiday arrangements? They're all at Villaries Florist. But more particularly, do you not know what to get your uh, special someone or your favorite friend or whatever? Well, try one of the f- great food baskets and one of the great goodies baskets that's available at all Villaries Florist locations. Or just give them a call. 1-800-V-I-L-L-E-R-E or VillariesFlorist.com and tell them you heard it here on The Founders Show with McHenry and Tidmore on WRNO and WSLA. And today's edition of The Founders Show is also brought to you by the Royal Merchant Trading Company at RoyalMerchant.co. Local entrepreneur Barkley Rafferty imports spices from all over the world into an amount you could use in a six-month period, and you can get them for just 5 or $6 at most local grocery stores, Langensteins and others, or by going to royalmerchant.co or giving her a call at 504-952-5831. That's 952-5831. But particularly this Christmas season, she's come up with a great arrangement for mulled wine and mulled bourbon of her spices, pre-made packs, and all you have to do is give her a call, 504 952 uh, 5831-952-5831 or go to royalmerchant.co and tell her you heard it on the Founders Show. Well, welcome back, folks. And you are listening to the Founders Show and this is Chaplain High McHenry with my partner, Chris Tidmore, and a great guest we have today, Andy Stout. And I want you to know, we work very hard on this show to bring you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. Christopher? And Andy, let me go into what's going on. So we've been talking about climate change. Is it really the disaster that Greta Thunberg and everybody says? And you've come out and said, no. I mean, we are getting slightly warmer, but things are happening at different places in different times around the Earth. Let's, we want to cut into a little history, but let's, let's get to the essence of what we're talking about. Is the ice melting in the, um, in the Arctic and not... Uh, picking up somewhere else to the point where sea levels will rise so much that the city of New Orleans will be underwater in 100 years. So that's, that's, that's really the thing we care about. That's, I mean, a great, that's a great place to start. Let me, uh, let me dispel 
right off the bat, a really common misconception. One is that uh, Arctic sea ice uh, every season melts and refreezes uh, depending on if it's winter or summer. And uh, the melting or the freezing of sea ice has nothing to do with sea level rise. If you have a, and this is a, a fun little experiment you can do. I think we all used to do it back in uh, like maybe first grade, second grade. But you take a, uh, take a cup, fill it with ice, fill it with water, and watch that ice melt. And then watch the water not spill over the lip of the cup. So melting sea ice has nothing to do. With. Okay, but what about those? Yeah. What about those people that say, Andy? Yeah. Well, yeah, but you're not counting on all the ice in the Arctic, in Siberia, in Alaska, in Canada yeah. that are, that are, that is melting over land and then going into the water. How do you respond to them? Yeah, presu- presumably the the place for sea level uh, change where it's uh, appreciable is supposed to be in ice over land. So where where it's not already displacing water, where it melts and it falls into the ocean, then uh, sea level should therefore rise. Uh, and it might be accounting for some amount of sea level rise. Uh, but um, also what's counteracting that is that whenever it snows over the Antarctic or whatever it snows over Greenland, then the ice is simply redeposited. When the, when the glaciers calve and they fall off into the ocean, they're calving because there's pressure behind it that's pushing it into the ocean. The pressure that's pushing it into the ocean is from snow and ice accumulation on top of it. So it's, uh, it's, you're, not, you're not seeing the effect of calving and ice falling into the water isolated. It's, uh, it's actually growing at the same time that it's shrinking. So are we getting, are we just, is there any scientific data that says our sea levels really aren't across the planet rising no, drastically? No, I, I, think, I think that we have reasonably good reason to believe that the sea levels are generally across the globe <laughs> increasing. But they're increasing across the globe uh, very minusculely, like very small. Uh, and the rates are the same. This is an important point. Uh, and I kind of started to touch on it, I think, before, but I think I didn't get to it. But the rates, whether the sea levels are rising or falling anywhere in the world, the rate is identical today to what it was 100 years ago. We have tidal gauges. We have more than 100-year-old records that clearly demonstrate that the rate is the same. So there's not yeah. an increase. There, go ahead. There, there is no Andy, increase. Yeah. Yeah. What happens also is you have a freezing up on one part of the earth and then a warming down on the other part. You get a, neither a net gain or loss. So this is all what they do is they go to the areas where they want to show some results for their advantage. And that's all they tell you about. Let me tell you how fake this is. Uh, there was a, a, a research project done and, and this was the, the summary of it. Uh, Sea levels are falling. Uh, the the uh, climate is cooling down, and it will be frozen over in the next ten years. Uh, fish supplies are dying, and all these dread, horrible, terrible things. And within ten years, uh, we will cease to exist as a people. Now, let me tell you the date on that: the 1930s. The area was Norway, and this was a report developed by their scientists. Is Norway still there? Did they survive it? And we went from a new ice age to global warming. And I, I'm, curious, I'm curious about this because let's bring a little history on this. You, you were alluding to I, the hockey stick, and we, we, we get into climate. Well, go ahead. Before, I can, you... but yeah, before we get into the hockey stick, because it's a particular passion of mine, uh, let's get in, let, let me explain that general sea level rise that I do think is happening. 
Uh, now, we've come out of the Little Ice Age in the 1600s to 1700s, and we've been warming ever since then, generally. Okay. Uh, as the atmosphere warms and as the sea warms, uh, seawater expands as it gets warmer. And that's just, it's just like a hot air balloon. The air expands when it gets warmer as the seawater expands. Uh, With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Warms, it expands very slightly. And thermal expansion of the seawater alone nearly totally accounts for the, uh, the, the, ri- the general rise in seawater uh, or sea level that we've been experiencing. And the fact that it's happening... Be- but due does to- that mean that we still could end up with three or four uh, feet higher sea levels? I th- the three or four feet higher sea levels... Uh, I mean, within a hundred years or so, or yeah, what yeah, we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's not going to happen. It's it's. I mean, all you have to do. Well, I mean, if you believe that the next hundred years are going to be different than the past hundred years, uh, I think that's a really that's a fool's bet. And let's go to something high referenced about the Little Ice Age. The fact that, as he points out to me in the break, yeah. you know, uh, 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 George Washington crossed the Delaware with ice there, which would be unheard of today. Um, there's something that calls, uh, and I always mispronounce it as the Marauder Minimum, it's, it's the Marauder Minimum, but the Marauder Minimum was something that happened in the 1500s, where sunspots essentially stopped. There's not, there were was, there was some sunspots, but they went down drastically. And you think, well, sunspots, so what? Sunspots affect massively the climate of the planet. The planet got colder, and then as sunspot activity took about 200 years, went up, the climate, planet got warmer. Well, a strange thing has happened in the last 20 years, and we're going to have 50 years of it. Sunspot activities, the sun goes in cycles, sunspot activity is drastically going down. Does that mean that what's happening on the sun could affect us as, as even if we're getting warmer environmentally by CO2, sunspot activity could make us colder, thus counteracting these effects? Yeah, so that's, uh, that has to do with, um, I guess, I, I'm not sure what does, I'm not sure what typical scientists call I call it solar ray theory it has to do with um it has to do with so sunspots are giant electromagnetic plumes that kind of like it kind of bursts out of the sun and it like a big fireball comes out of the sun and uh what they do though is they uh, sort of envelop the earth in electromagnetic fields this sounds like science fiction <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I, I'm telling no, it's very, very well it, it sounds like science fiction but it's just the way it is okay so so right. these these plumes of electromagnetic uh sort of fields come out of the sun and they sort of envelop the earth and they kind of uh swat away cosmic rays cosmic rays are kind of they're high energy uh, particles that are coming in from deep space. And the reason why this is relevant is because uh, when those uh, cosmic rays, these high energy particles, uh, uh, interact with our atmosphere, they uh, act to nucleize, excuse me, it's a hard word to say, nucleize. Uh, At least th- you're not doing the Southern nuclear. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll pull a, I'll pull a what, a Nixon? <laughs> uh, n- n- anyway, anyway, so the point is that, uh, so the nucleation of the aerosols in the air are what form clouds. 
these high energy particles help to form clouds. And uh, it's been experimentally demonstrated. So you can make atmospheric chambers, we can shoot certain particles through the chamber, certain rays through the chamber, and we can make little clowns. So just cause and effect. So, Let, so uh, sunspots, yeah. more, uh, more electromagnetism, more clouds, that thanks to that yeah. thanks, more clouds means less sunlight, less sunlight means colder planet. It's very counterintuitive because, yeah. because when, it, it's very hard for me to wrap my, my mind around when I first was introduced to it because uh, you would expect that if, if you don't have the solar flare, and therefore the Earth is bombarded by more of these high-energy rays, you'd expect the Earth to heat up because, oh, it's being bombarded by all these high-energy rays. But it's very counterintuitive. That's not what happens. What happens is that these high-energy particles uh, accelerate cloud growth. The clouds have a net effect of, uh, of reflecting back the, uh, the, uh, the energy from the sun. And this is the part of the discussion that, and I'll bring high into this, that, uh, that kind of bothers me in the environmental discussion, because I'm somebody who can buy a lot of the arguments. We're putting out a lot of CO2, this has an effect on the atmosphere, and that we could get warming, and I'm very concerned about environmental issues, whether we have clean air, clean water, and so it makes sense. Except, if we're entering another Marander minimum, we're entering another period where sunspot activity basically will, as Andy, Andy Stout just described, make us colder. If we lose, if we increase the planetary temperature by a, a, a degree, and the sunspots decrease planetary temperature by a degree, we haven't actually changed anything. Yeah, things are working out pretty good. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm getting at. Why is it that this, which is not a hypothetical, could happen? We have the historical record to know that this happens in every thousand year or so cycles. We know this before the 1500s. We know what happened. There was a warming period during the Roman period. Then before that, in the Greek, in the uh, Diachi period, in the Alexander, it was colder. And we, we know this through the historical record. We know this happens every thousand years or so. The cycle, thousand, twelve hundred years, the, 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 the sun gets hotter and colder um, because of sunspots and affects the planet. Why doesn't anybody mention, well, you know, maybe, Greta, you're all... 100% correct. However, have you looked at the sun lately? Yeah. I've, <laughs> I mean, there, there are a lot of factors. I, I mean, there's so many different... The, the, problem, the problem with alarmism is that it reduces everything to an easily digestible fiction, which is that there is a CO2 dial, and that if, if you take this little dial... Now, and people don't even realize how tiny it is. It's, it's approximately 0.04 percent of the atmosphere. We have almost no carbon in the atmosphere. It is a miracle that trees can survive and that any of us can survive based on how little carbon we have in the atmosphere. Why are we trying to starve our trees that are begging us to give them? I don't know. Carbon? I don't know. I love, I, I <laughs> see, I'm an advocate of CO2. Like I, I am too. You talk about greening the earth, give them more CO2. That's and right. More green. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I've got a, uh, my, my long shot, you know, everybody should have a long shot prediction that they can make. That seems uh, kind of ridiculous when you make it, but you know, maybe it'll pan out in uh, 50 years, a hundred years like that. If I had, if I had to make a long shot prediction that no one would guess, it would be that in, uh, in 50 years, we'll be burning oil for the CO2 and the energy will be a byproduct <laughs> Because it comes be, in. I mean, but be, I mean, I've heard of absurder things that yeah. would never happen yeah. that have. But Andrew yeah. Stout's joining us. He is the he's launching a new website called the Climate Report, 
and um, talking about the climate some of record. Record the climate record, not report. The yeah. climate record, um, <laughs> and because you're talking about the climate record, he's launching news. It's the climate record. It'll be launching around the first of the year. The climate record dot com, and we're going to be rerunning the show several times in the next year, so you'll be able to actually access it. But um, Andy, this is one of the things that gets into the whole argument. We keep talking about cutting off our industry right now, cutting off our our, our fossil fuels, cutting off this. And you know what? I, I can say it'd be great if this was a zero-sum game. An interesting thing and I want to share with both of you happened in the last two weeks. What happened was that nobody's really talking about outside of science circles is a company funded by Bill Gates, who's again the richest man in the world since Bezos had to divide his fortune with his ex-wife. Well, Gates has been funding a company that uses solar panels. Well, at this, you're like, well, great, Ted Moore, so what? You know that doesn't produce enough power. Well, what he did was something different. They focused all the solar panels onto one microscopic point using artificial intelligence. Remember, computer guy. At this one operative point, they created one-fourth the heat and energy of the sun. It creates enough hydrogen that you could actually produce hydrogen out of it. It's actually almost a fusion reaction. It's not quite a fusion reaction, but it's, it acts like a fusion reactor would act. It produces an ungodly amount of power, and it does so cleanly. And guess what? It's cheaper than fossil fuels, so you don't really have to subsidize it. If it works out, essentially everything that we're supposed to have fixed, we've just fixed. And that happened two weeks ago. And so I keep saying, why isn't this the leading story on every news story in the country? We have solved global warming with this technology. And you know what? This is when I start to believe in conspiracy. Because if we, if, we just, if we just did it, Wait a second. We've just we've just un unleashed a lot of people who have said, "Wait, wait, wait. You mean we don't actually have to change anything? That basically the free market will do this because we found a way to do it cheaper, faster." Andy, you got something to say? Yeah, yeah actually. Well, I, I want to <laughs> dovetail to what you're saying right now. The free market will do it. Um, I mean, even if even if you don't follow me so far as to think that CO two is a great benefit, even if you think it's a bad thing then uh, let me assuage your fears because we've been on a decarbonization trek since the era of Victoria. We went from burning wood to burning coal, and coal's, uh, I, I think the ratio is more than twice as efficient as wood. We went from burning coal to burning oil. The, uh, the, the, uh, the carbon to hydrogen ratio of coal is five to one. The, uh, the carbon-hydrogen ratio of oil is uh, two to one, the uh, or I mean one to two, excuse me. The uh, carbon-hydrogen ratio of natural gas, which is increasingly taking over our economy, is one to four. So we've by switching to natural gas, we've doubled the uh, the hydrogen-carbon ratio efficiency of oil. Oil itself was more than doubling the efficiency of coal, and coal itself was uh, doubling the efficiency of wood. So if, we, if we switch to this but when technology, when you have a forest fire, you understand why it produces more, a larger carbon footprint. And yeah, that's that's all fine pollution. too. I'm just saying, yeah. I'm just saying there there are some people who are ready for the catastrophe, right? Oh, and if yeah. if if those people are out there, all I have to say is don't worry about it because we're already on a track that's uh, disarming this great bomb that's going to yeah. explode in our face. It's been we've been disarming it for hundreds of years. And it's called, it's human progress, it's technology, we've already been figuring it out, it's not a big deal. And that's why I think 
in the next, you know, 50 years, 75 years, if I want to pad my prediction. That's why I think in 50 to 75 years, we're not going to need hydrocarbons for energy. I think we're going to be burning it for the, for the carbon dioxide. The energy yeah, is going to be a byproduct. The plants are desperate for that carbon. Listen, you know, to reemphasize, this is a regional issue. You have parts of the world heating up or cooling down all around the world. Give you an example. When the Vikings arrived in Greenland, uh, you know, a thousand years ago, they, they had left from Iceland, which was very cold. They get to Greenland. And, and if you see it on the maps today, you see a big, giant, white uh, country with just the edges being green. And um, the reason for that is it's frozen over. But when the Vikings arrived there a thousand years ago, they called it Greenland because it was very green and they had great barley crops and everything they grew there. They haven't had a barley crop until about 10 years ago, and they started getting bar- barley crops again because it's warming down. Greenland has been warming down and cooling up for thousands of years, just like the whole rest of the planet. Calm down, everybody. You're overreacting. All right, so let's recap on all of this as we, as we uh, sort of round down. We've got only a few minutes left. Andrew Chout's joining us, ladies and gentlemen. He's got a new website called theclimaterecord.com. It's going to be uh, launching, or it will have launched by the time a lot of people hear this show, and it will, if you, it will be launching quite soon. And he's spent, dedicated several years of his life to looking at what, are the, what is the science really saying. And um, I, I just want to come back to particularly, just, just to recap, we know three things. Yes. There has been, the planet is getting a little warmer, but it follows some historic warms. We're coming out of it. Yes, there is an effect on the upper upper atmosphere, but we may be actually, with sunspots, going into a place where the planet gets colder and minimizes CO2 effect. And technology, particularly this technology developed by Bill Gates' company and others that are coming through, seems to get us even less and less attracted to hydrocarbons if they can use solar technology to recreate one-fourth the power of the sun, which has already been done. So if all of this is happening and all of this is going crazy, this comes into an interesting point because I'm somebody who would be perfectly willing to, to give the benefit of the doubt to and say, you know, climate challenges, it's good to clean up the atmosphere regardless. We should be listening to these people. Yet if you express any doubt about this, Andy, and um, you come in and people look at you as if they call you a climate denier, as if you're a Holocaust denier, as if you're a neo-Nazi who comes in and says something, and you're coming out at this, did it help the fact that you were not a climatologist, a scientist devoted to climate uh, to start off with? You're, start, you're an architect by right. profession. And when you started studying this over the last several years, did it help that you came from a different scientific discipline to do this? Um, I, I think that uh, being in architecture helped me a little bit because uh, the sort of the easy way to, to research a lot of the science starts with graphs. It's, it's, gra- it's, it's a graphic analysis. Yeah, and, uh, and, uh, and I, you know, I can use a Cartesian coordinate system, so I'm, I'm aware of X and Y coordinates, and I can go ahead and look at a graph, and I can chart a rate, and I don't need any specific qualification in order to chart a rate based off of a graph that a scientist has prepared. Um, and a lot of that, actually, to, to touch on that, though, um, the, uh, the only new analysis I think I've ever done is I've, tem- I've attempted a quantification of the difference between alarmism and skepticism. And uh, basically, you can boil it down to this. Both, both alarmists and skeptics think that the Earth is warming. Uh, skeptics uh, tend to believe that the Earth is warming about 60% faster than quote-unquote typical, where, which is not all that unusual. I mean, uh, 
if you're driving on a road, sometimes you go 60% faster than you drive at other times on a road. So it's not that big of a deal. Alarmists uh, tend to believe that we're warming about 625% faster than typical. And the discrepancy is, uh, is based off of what graphs you're looking at, what science you choose to predicate your beliefs on. So if you take a, uh, if you take a skeptical proxy record, uh, a good diagram is the Lundqvist diagram. Uh, it basically, it's like many other diagrams that show uh, warm periods and cold periods in the past. Uh, and you compare that, say, to the hockey stick, and a hockey stick shows no uh, climate variability in the past, then you have an enormous discrepancy. And then if you juxtapose those proxies against a contemporary record, and if you're an alarmist and you choose an adjusted ground surface temperature record that has twice the warming of a satellite record, well, then suddenly this, uh, this enormous magnitude of warming against a placid, non-variable past looks really scary. But if you're a skeptic and you understand that the past has this variability, then the relatively mild warming that we're having today doesn't look all that unusual. All right. So, Andy, said we're almost out of time. We're going to get leave time for Hyde to, to get into his um, segment, uh, his patriotic moment after the break. But just putting this in, in things... If it's 60%, as the satellite record says, uh, uh, faster than the norm. Oh, it's, opposed, not, it's it, that's my calculation. It's a calculation. Okay, uh, but based let, on the proxies and the satellites. But, but, but let's, let's say your calculation rather than 600%. The satellites so, say it's, tw- it's half as much as the ground record. All right. It's half as much as the ground record. If it's the satellite data is correct, or the balloons as well, the upper atmospheric data, then this is all I'm really concerned about. Is there is the seas or is the seas going to rise so much that coastal cities are essentially going to be in another hundred years underwater. I mean, how fast does the seas rise? Even if we don't consider sunspots yeah. or anything else, just by itself in... The, yes. the, if you're a smart betting man, bet on the sea rising at the same rate it's been rising for the last hundred years, global warming or not. And uh, all you need to do is build your seawall about uh, maybe one foot taller than it was otherwise, and you have now compensated for about a hundred years worth of fl- flooding. <laughs> So just build the wall one foot taller, and then uh, you're fine for another hundred years. Hi, final thought, real quick before we go in, because uh, yeah, I know we don't we have very little time. One thing I wanted to get into about sunspots was uh, sinkholes and the impact of that on the planet right now. Uh, and in 2011, they all of a sudden they started getting sinkholes. They hadn't had them in hundreds of years. They had like a dozen of them, and now they're up to over 400. And they think it's being caused by the, the warping of the crust underneath the earth caused by the sun and very possibly sunspots and um it's astounding to see what it is doing to the planet right now we have nothing to do with that that's mother nature by the way if the earth moves in its course either five you know a few feet closer to the sun or a few feet farther away could be caused by big asteroids passing us or something like that we either freeze up completely or we burn up completely just by the movement of a few feet of the radius of the you know cycle of the the Earth around the Sun, so we got so many things that can destroy this Earth, and what they're screaming and hollering about right now is so absurd. It's beyond to me, and it, to me, I see control that the people, the power people of this world, they're desperate for control 
for the bottom line they get out of it. That's my conclusion of the this. The website soon to launch, of course, is theclimaterecord.com. Andrew Stout's been joining us. He's also an outstanding architect. So if somebody wants to find out about your architectural work, is there a place they can go? But I'm, I'm, uh, well, <laughs> stouthousearchitecture.com. But, but look, I'll, uh, I'll, design, uh, I'll design an eco-villa just, <laughs> just as readily as I'll design a, uh, yeah. a beachfront property. All right, theclimaterecord.com. Of course, you can always hear the Founders Show with McHenry and Tidmore on WRNO, 8 to 9 a.m. on Sundays, and on WSLA, 1560 a.m., Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Friday, Monday, and Wednesday, from 8 to 9 a.m. as well. Always 24-7, 365 at thefoundersshow.com or at the iHeartMedia app. We encourage you, folks, get the iHeartMedia app on your smartphone, follow us, and the shows show up directly onto your phone. You don't even have to worry about where we are. We'll be back with a patriotic moment and uh, Mr. McHenry after these important messages. Stay tuned. More to come on The Founders Show. Well, folks, this is Chaplain High McHenry, and I'm here to tell you about our ministry, Lamb Ministries. We're an inner city ministry with an inner city focus and formula for inner city folks. You can go to our website, lambnola.com, that's lambnola.com, and find out all about us. We work with the urban poor and very, very underprivileged and needy inner city kids. Many of these kids are called short-termers. That means by their mid-20s, they're either going to be dead, in jail for life, or living at the homeless mission. And the great tragedy of this is they don't know there's any other world. They think that's a normal life. What a heartbreak we have here. So if you have an interest in helping these kids, please contact us at lambnola.com, or you can call me, area code 504-723-9369. And we, we'd be glad to have you. We need all the help we can get, all the volunteers, all the prayer warriors, and certainly all the financial support we can get. This is a great work. It's a, a work with great demands, and we sure do appreciate you. You know, we are those who are sent, but we, those who are sent cannot go without those, you, who send. Thank you so very much, and God bless you all. Folks, we're back, and this is Chaplain Hyman McHenry, and you're listening to The Founders Show. And it's now time for us to go into our Chaplain Baba patriotic moment. We'll just take a brief moment to remind you of the biblical origins of our country, our Judeo-Christian jurisprudence. And today, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. Did you know that Thanksgiving is America's only officially established religious holiday created in America by America's very own Democrat Democratic Republican governmental decree. Folks, there were many, by the way, there were many Thanksgivings all across America from going back to the 15, the 16th century, the 1540s. Not in the original 13 colonies, because they weren't there then, but in the Spanish colonies. In Texas and in the Southwest, uh, there were many Thanksgiving holidays by the Spanish. Apparently, it was a, a European tradition that had a biblical foundation. But in 1607, at Cape Henry, Virginia, with the landing of the Jamestown settlers, they had America's first official Thanksgiving, where they gave praises to God and thanked God for their safe trip and the, and the success of the beginning of the colony. A few, about um, 
10 years later, actually in 1619, 12 years later, at the Berkeley Plantation of Virginia was the second Thanksgiving feast. Now, these folks at Berkeley were like the pilgrims. They, 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 weren't, uh, they were a religious colony that came seeking freedom of religion and independence. And do you know that that is the oldest ongoing Thanksgiving celebration in America? They have it to this day in the same location. A couple years later, then the pilgrims arrived, and they had their Thanksgiving holiday. Of course, that's one we usually remember. But the, the first two were in Virginia. And again, the only ongoing one from that far back was the one at Berkeley. The one at Plymouth lasted for a couple of years, and then they just quit, quit doing it. But it, was, it established a great tradition in this country where as the country grew and developed, they started bringing it back. And so in, during the, by the time of the American Revolution, there were Thanksgiving celebrations all over America. They weren't official government holidays, but they were having them all over this country and, and supported and, and encouraged by the founding fathers and the government leadership at that time. So folks, think about that. We have the only religious holiday in America established by Americans to give God thanks for the many blessings we have in our country. I think our founding fathers certainly believe God need to be in the middle of government, not institutionally, but certainly philosophically. All right, well, folks, I don't know about you, but I know about me. I know that I know that I know when I die, I'm going to heaven, and I'm excited about that. And because of that, I have great thanksgiving. I'd like to bring this to you now. You know, you could be the greatest biblical patriot that ever lived, but if you died and went to hell, what good would it do you? So right now, I just want to take a brief moment to show how you how you can know for sure you're saved from a burning hell and you're guaranteed heaven. You know, the Bible says that God loves you with an everlasting love. He loved you so much, he became a man. That man's name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's all the way God and all the way man. He came to this earth to take care of your two biggest problems, your sin problem and your death problem. And I mean, second death. That means living in a burning hell as, a, as the walking dead, if you will, like zombies. It's going to be a horrible place, too horrible to even think about. But it's real, and so we can't ignore it. You know, Jesus preached more about hell than he did about heaven because he didn't want you going there. So, folks, it's really simple what God did. He took care of those problems. When he died on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, he died for all of your sins, all of them, from the day you're born to the day you die, your tiniest to your greatest sins, went on Jesus, went in Jesus. The Bible says, he that knew no sin was made sin. All your dirty, rotten sins, that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's the first step. Next step, second problem, our death problem. He took care of that when he rose from the dead to win for you his precious free gift of resurrection, everlasting life. It's that simple. Jesus kept saying, repent and believe. What that means is, The word repent there means to change your mind. It's part of your faith. It's not a work. It's part of your faith. The first part of your faith is to believe you can't save yourself. You're hopeless and helpless without God. When you come to that point, you've just repented, and now you're free to put faith alone in Christ alone, to believe that only he can, that he did, and that he will save you from a burning hell and guarantee you everlasting life. All it takes is childlike faith. If you've never done this before, please do it now. Don't wait till it's too late, like the old country preacher said. And the Word of God says, now, today, is the day of salvation. Well, thanks so much for being with us, folks, as we now close with Amon St. Martin singing a Creole goodbye. And God bless you all out there. 
think we're just wasting our time. But a minute all three, say bon, say la vie. There's time for a trio goodbye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.